started this whole year with holy, holy. We're going to focus the whole year on the holiness of God and how we get to live out holiness. And we don't have to dip our toes in holiness. We don't have to try to maybe sometimes be holy. Or we're going to be holy on Sunday or when grandma's over or whatever. But like holy, set apart ones, fully for Jesus. And so with that, I want to remind you of a passage that we looked at on the first Sunday of the new year. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. If you join me there, that would be outstanding. If you need a Bible, like a good old-fashioned Bible, we've got some still, some that are sitting around. If you are an app person or you're a screen person, please get your, your Bibles ready. I like to go through the Bible a lot. Not because um, I don't think I have something to say. I always think I have something to say. I love that God has something to say first. And so I want to go off of what he says. So here you go. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. This will set up all of what we're looking at actually today. As obedient children, as a father, these are some of my favorite types of kids. Obedient. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't give in to your flesh. Don't give in to the world. Don't give in to what you used to know. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Church, what kind of conduct? Does that include how you talk? Yes. You just bend. Yes. Love that. That's good. It includes all your conduct. For us to be set apart and intentional doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we're perfected. It means that we're setting an example because the example has been set for us and we've been empowered. Verse 16 says, you do all this in your conduct since it's written, you shall be holy for I'm holy. You ever seen actors say, what's my motivation? What, what am I trying to do here? What am I trying to get? You know what your motivation is? Why don't you tell me? Oh, look, we're in church. You can say it. God, Jesus. It's him. He's holy. That's why we get to live this out. You can't do it on your own. That's why he gave himself for you. That's why the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I got to go so the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of you and empower you to be these people. And so with that, we're empowered, not by our efforts, not by the efforts of meaning, well-meaning, amazing, loving parents or teachers or friends or a wife or a husband. It's by God. If the source of power is empowering you, can you do it? Bob the Builder time. Yes, we can. <laughs> All right, with that, get ready. We're going to 2 Corinthians 7.1. 2 Corinthians, so if you're in 1 Peter with me, you can turn back just a bit. But if you're on your phone, uh, I had a friend say to me, hey, man, will you wait up for us? And I'm like, yeah, I don't always have like a, a ribbon in there. I'm just, I'm in the Bible a lot, and so I try to know where stuff is at. I still probably couldn't tell you. Genesis to Revelation, all the books of the Bible from memory, I get a little <gasps> about it. So maybe that's one I can look up and, and memorize. But I know basically where they are. But 
we also have this really cool little cheat sheet called the table of contents. <laughs> you can look there and go, okay, he's jumping around today. Good, I'm going to try and keep you awake. Oops. There you go. Okay. Second Corinthians 7.1. God makes all kinds of promises. It's really, really cool. He says if you go out from the people that are doing and acting nasty and you set yourself apart from me, I'm your father. I've motivated you to do that, and you're going to do it. You're going to live that out. I will be your father. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. And so 2 Corinthians 7.1 comes off of those promises. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body or flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I don't know what all that says to you, but I can just say God's promise to lead us if we set ourselves apart, so cleanse yourself. How do you cleanse yourself? You can't by yourself, but you can decide, I'm Jesus's. I, I'm in him. I've got all these abilities and strengths, and I've even got authority in Jesus to actually live out what I'm supposed to live out. Even if I come from a weird background or a difficult background or I've had bad things happen or I've done just a bunch of bad things. Romans says everybody falls short of the glory of God. That's everybody. Everybody doesn't make it on their own. But in him, you can cleanse yourself. This is amazing. From every defilement. I don't have to give in to addiction. I don't have to give in to anxiety. I don't have to give in to depression. Are those things going to be there? Yes. And will I have some days where I fall flat on my face? As long as you're breathing, you will. But you don't have to stay there. It's not in not falling down. It's in getting back up again. And we have that strength in Jesus. And so he's saying, set yourself apart with me. Bring this holiness to completion. And here again is your motivation. Fear of God. Let me ask you, are you supposed to be afraid of God? Then what does the fear of God mean? Because I would agree with you. I don't think you'd be like, oh, God. My friend sits in this room right now with us, and he and I joke all the time about, ooh, you just said that? I'm going to move over here. <laughs> We're like, well, God's going <clears> to <throat> like zap somebody. It's not that fear of God, like, oh, I said something wrong. I, did I start to quote something that was wrong? God, please don't hate me. It's not that kind of fear. But what is it? Respect. Paul just talked about it. Reverence. Why I know he's it. With that, I want to bring you to a recap of what we talked about last week. The church is brand new. So many cool things are happening. So many unbelievable things are happening. And yet these believers believe it. And they're living it out. And they're giving each other things. And they're taking care of each other. It's just so wonderful. And it's true. This is the account. And so... Let's go to Acts 4, 32 through 37, and see if their holiness is sticking out a little bit. See if you can see them cleansing themselves and helping others, right? And by cleansing yourself again, it isn't you earn anything. You've been given it, and so you live it out. We don't fight for victory as Christians. Listen, we fight from it. We've been set free, so we get to live it out. 
And that's why I say every day to you that we get together, be strong and courageous and let it be contagious. Be strong in your faith. Be courageous in your belief. Be courageous in your actions and let it be contagious. Invite other people into the story. Show them the good news of Jesus. So with that, we bring this up. Acts 4, 32 through 37. This is the end of the last chapter that we read. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his. But they had everything in common. So they're sharing. And with great power, we looked up that word. Great in the Greek is megas. It's mega power. So with mega power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And mega grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, was such a great nickname. That. Who are you? Uh, my name's Joseph, but they call me son of encouragement. Not of humility, <laughs> but of encouragement. Okay, good job. He's a Levite. He's from the tribe that was supposed to have all of the priests. And he was a native of Cyprus, which is outside of Israel. He is a non-Israelite Jew. But he's really in love with Jesus, and he's this encourager. He sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Remind you of something right off the bat here. Remember who gave it to you. Remember whose you are is later on in the message, but remember who gave you what he gave you. The ability to work, the ability to be kind, the ability to be sweet, the ability to endure, the ability to overcome. Remember who gave it to you. It's not the gift as much as it's the gift giver. And so these people were giving things to each other to take care of one another because they believed that the Lord said so. It actually came out in their lives. Now for Acts 5. We're going to go 1 through 11. I'm going to chop it up a little bit, but we'll go the first two verses. A couple summers ago, we did a series called Big Butts of the Bible. This is a big butt in the Bible, and it's not very positive. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. So far, so good. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. And he brought only a part of it, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Please hear me very clearly. There is nothing new under the sun. Today, there's going to be a ton of people getting together just for an excuse to get together, and they've got the Super Bowl of the weekend. You don't have to have an excuse, Christians, to get together. You can just get together anytime, anytime that it, it works. Maybe on sometimes that it doesn't. But there's some people that are going to sit around, and they're going to watch that whole thing, and they're going to watch the 
commercials because they're going to try and see something new, something funny, something <gasps> they're going to watch Usher, and that's going to be something you might want to look away from because there'll be some things. They're going to try to see something new, but friends, there's nothing new under the sun. This story, th this is like the first time we're going to hear this kind of story in the Bible, but is it? Go back to Adam and Eve. They were told not to do one thing. And as a matter of fact, Adam was told that. And his wife Eve got deceived by the serpent. Yeah, I'm going to eat that fruit. It looks good. I bet it tastes good. And I can be like God. So I'm going to eat it. You know what Adam did? Nothing. Shut his mouth. He didn't say anything. Then he joined her in eating that. This couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they're modern-day Adam and Eve. They got together and decided they were going to sell their land and give some of the proceeds and keep back some to themselves. That in and of itself, as we're going to read, isn't a big deal. The big deal is, is they were faking it. They were making it look like they were better than they were. They were lying. And so I want to tell you, in your own story, in your own life, in your own relationships, in your own job, in your own pursuits, beware of hypocrisy, lies, and pride. Beware of it. It's not just in somebody else. Oh, you'll be careful. Those people are hypocrites. It's like a boomerang statement. You hypocrite. <laughs> I guess I am too. Beware of hypocrisy in you. Beware of hypocrisy in you. Beware of hypocrisy in yourself, of lies in yourself, and pride in yourself. Because it's there for all of us. And this isn't some pastoral way of saying, you guys smell like sin. Let me show you how to be clean like me. This is in us as humans, and we desperately need God. You know why we keep doing these kind of things? Yeah, and we like it. We like to do sin. It's fun. So it isn't. Okay, I got a lot to say, so here you go. Acts 5, 3 through 10. There they are right there. They only gave a part of it, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. That same language of, Barnabas laying his full sacrifice, his full offering at the apostles' feet. Do with it what you want. And they came in and they're like, us too. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back your, for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? You guys, he's seeing that Satan, the accuser, filled a church member's heart with something nasty and to lie to God. Well, he wasn't lying to God, was he? Wasn't he just lying to Peter? Oh, well, he's like the Pope, so he must be lying to God too. Is that how that works? You know that when you and I sin, we don't sin just first and foremost against somebody else. We sin against God. And he sees it, and he knows it, and he paid for it. Don't pretend, repent, turn back. But he goes, man, how could you do this? 
How could this happen to you? Verse 4, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Do not lie to man, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. I'll live with that alone. All right, here we go. In a great fear, mega fear, there's that word again, megas, came upon all who heard of it. I would imagine so. Listen to this. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Hey, has anybody seen Ananias? And Peter said to her, tell me whether you, and that word is like y'all, you is plural, you guys, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Said, yeah, for so much. My pastor used to say, Hey, is there anything going on in your life that you want to talk about? That was the opportunity. I mean, that's how we started lunches. Is there anything going on in your life you want to talk about? My first thought, because I'm a human, was what do you know? She had an opportunity to tell the truth. God is so good. He gives you opportunities. He gives me opportunities. He's not just trying to catch us and zap us. He's trying to give us a chance to follow him, to walk, to cleanse ourselves, to be the people who we say we are as his people. And she had an opportunity, and she goes, oh, yeah, that was the plan. I mean, yeah, that's what we did. But Peter said to her, how is it you have agreed together? We talked about being together. You can be together for the wrong thing too, right? Being together for the right thing is what we are intended for. Like God said, it wasn't good for man to be alone. Oh, I want you to be together, but not to team up against me because you'll never make it. Team up to point each other to me. How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who just buried your husband are at the door, and they'll carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, I just got quite an imagination. I can just see them. It's tired and it's freaky, right? They saw this guy just die and they bury him. Come back a few hours later, got to be a little bit tired. They come in. Another one? Oh. All you can eat on lies today, apparently. They found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Quick little note. God put this on my heart this morning. They didn't say, you guys are so terrible, we're going to throw you in the trash. They honored them and they buried them. They were part of them. You know where some of the most difficult stuff happens in my life? 
people who are supposed to know better don't act better. That would include me. I told you a little while ago, one of my mentors in the faith said, the problem with ministry is people. Starting with the people that are running it. So I don't know if you grew up like this. My mom thought she was kind of Jewish for a while, and she used to say, Oy vey, which means, oh, whoa, basically. It's like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? God? Not responsible for their sin. He judged them. And many of us say, if he judged more like that, there'd be more people wanting to be more holy. Where does that start? With you or with somebody else? Always somebody else. Boy, they really, they are just a bunch of knuckleheads. Every now and then, somebody just kind of croaks because they lied. Be a lot better place. God is not messing around with holiness. He said, be holy. I'm holy. At many different times in who he is and what he is establishing He has judged severely his people. There's a big, long list of them. I'll tell you just about a couple, and I had it to print it out so I'd remember it. It says in the word that God killed Nadab and Abihu for trying to present false fire to the Lord, Leviticus 10. He also had Achan killed for disobeying orders after Israel had entered the promised land, Joshua 7. There was 23,000 people, as we're going to listen to later, that were destroyed by a plague for their sin. The ground gobbled up some people that God opened the ground and gobbled them up for their sin. 3,000 people got killed because God said they are nasty and they need to be gone. We're like, yeah, because God was a totally different God in the Old Testament. He was just mean. He's the same gracious God. He's just continually giving us grace. He gave us his son, Jesus. He came. Instead of the prophets speaking to people, his own son spoke to people and set people free. And you know what they did with him, right? Killed him. And what did he do? Oh, that's it. You killed my son. You're gone. Not rocket. The whole world's gone. Flick and the universe is no longer existing. That is not what God did. He's been super gracious. So often people say, why is God allowing so many bad things to happen? And I think that's a legitimate question, but I'm going to ask you for a, a perspective shift. Maybe you and I should start asking, how come God's putting up with us as it is? Well, because he's good, and he's God. He is good. That should mean that we actually submit to him and honor him. Oftentimes, we're like, just how much can I get away with? It's like me sitting down with my pastor, and he asks me, what's going on? You want to talk about anything? And I go, what do you know? Not, thank you for that opportunity. My eyes haven't been where they should be. I was angry with my wife and my kids. And not just in a, no, I was just angry because I'm selfish. Very rarely did I take the first question as the opportunity. God is giving us opportunity even today in this moment. Come on. 
One thing that we just kind of glossed over that I don't want to gloss over and I can't spend a ton of time, so I'm going to let the scriptures do it, is that you and I, we have an enemy, and it's not just our flesh, and it's not just the world. There is a devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us about him a little bit. Listen to this. 1 Peter 5, 8. If you can get there, great. If not, i got to move along here. Be sober-minded. That's a little shout-out to any of you that have some plans this upcoming evening. A little something for you. Sober-minded. I'm not a teetotaler, but I'm saying to you, drunkenness, getting buzzed, getting high, get just getting a little bit faded, that's a mess. It leads you to places that you don't want to be. You might be doing it to have fun. You might be doing it to forget things. I'm going to tell you, if you're trying to get away from your problems by being high or drunk, you're not getting away from your problems and you're creating new ones. Dear friends, it's not drinking that I'm telling you to avoid. It's being high. It's being drunk. It's being filled with something other than God. Okay, you're welcome. Oh, he's fun. We should invite him to our party. (laughs) Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is not your homeboy. He does not want you just to have fun. He wants to devour you. He is the enemy. Here they are, the two words on the screen for you. The enemy. Let's learn about him just a little bit. Very quickly, again, please join me if you can. 2 Corinthians eleven 14. It'll be on the screen. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate you very much. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. A little shout out to what this enemy is like. He's tricky. And no wonder... For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. More on the whole angel of light in a second, but he disguises himself. He looks good. He was the supreme capstone of all of creation. He was gorgeous. Sun of the morning. Dawn of the sun. He was this, and that's where the name Lucifer comes from. It's not in the Bible. It's kind of this... Latin word for morning star, but that's who Satan was. He was a beautiful creation, and he thought he could be God, but more on that in just a second. So you're in 2 Corinthians 11, 14. He disguises himself, masquerades, pretends as an angel of light, and people get duped by it. Let's go to John 8, 44. What did Jesus have to say about the enemy? It wasn't very kind. It was very very true. And I guess kind that he would tell us the truth. Here's what Jesus said about him. John 8, 44. He's talking to religious leaders, by the way. He says, you're of your father, the devil. Yikes. And you and your will is to do your father's desires. Who did he say their father was? Okay. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he's a liar and the father of lies, Jesus said. 
Please keep turning with me to Isaiah. It's near the middle of the Bible. Psalms, and you just kind of keep going. I'm going to Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. I will tell you right now, this is in the context of a prophecy against the king of Babylon, but it has a dual meaning, and it talks about Satan. Talks about the son of the morning. He was a created being. He was an angel, and he thought he was the bee's knees. So much so that he thought he could be God. Check this out. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. Again, that's where Lucifer comes from. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you're brought down to Sheol, which is the grave, and hell, to the far reaches of the pit. You think you win, you don't win. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The enemy will come back, but submitting to God is always your winning shot. And here's why. God is awesomely terrifying in his holiness. He does not share. He's not like, yeah, you're pretty cool. You should be up here on the throne. The only time we get to rule and reign with him is by submitting to him and acknowledging that he's it. The devil didn't do that. And we as people think we can be God. We can get it right. We can aspire to be God. This is the first two people, Adam and Eve. Oh, wait, we can be like God? Yeah, he made us in his image, but not to be him. Seat's taken. Can't see here. Just a little reference there. Thank you, Forrest Gump. We think we're so amazing that we could be God. And God's like, there's only one. Very jealous for his people. He's not jealous of his people. He's jealous for his people and that we would worship him. We've got five minutes, and so listen very closely. God judges, and he does so righteously. If we go back to Acts 5 with me, just this last verse. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Yeah. Scary. God is not playing around. He's patient and he's kind, but he is not changing the standard. Please join me really quick. Hebrews 10, 30 through 31. Write them down if you're not here. Take a picture of it. Here you go. We know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Have you ever seen a tattoo or heard somebody say, only the Lord can judge me? Only God can judge me. (laughs) He does. He will. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to finish strong, so back to 1 Corinthians as we go. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. Paul is talking to God's people 
who have amazingly come to faith in Christ in the most dirtiest, nastiest place called Corinth. It was gorgeous, lots of money, and lots of nastiness. And the church was starting to act like that, and he corrects them in lots of different ways. And then verse 31 If we judged or discerned ourselves truly, we would not need to be judged. How do you judge yourself truly, church? How do we do that? What's that? How are we to judge ourselves truly? By the scriptures, Peter, exactly. By Jesus. Oh, you know what? God didn't really mean all of you, just as much of you as you can. Oh, you know what? He just wants people to be happy. Don't tell people that something's wrong. That's mean. Judge yourselves truly. Be humble. Be honest. And do so by God's standards. Church, remember whose you are. You were bought at a price. Somebody testify to what that price was? Sacrificed his one and only son. The perfect blood of Christ. He who knew no sin became our sin that we might become his righteousness. If you're still in 1 Corinthians with me, turn back one page to 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 15. This helps us to remember whose we are. This helps us to judge ourselves truly. This helps us to take seriously God's holiness. 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Talking about all of the people in Israel and all the different things that Israel had done. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Anybody here have a sibling? Have you learned from what they've done? They learned from what you did. We hope so, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I learned how to get away with it because I'm not going to do the same stupid stuff they did. I'm talking like you saw a bad thing and you're like, I'm not going there. This is what he's talking about. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play, and that's when they made the golden calf. And 3,000 people died that day. We must not indulge in sexual immorality. Let me be very clear. Let's judge according to God's word. Sexual immorality is sex outside of a marriage relationship. Between a man and a woman. That's God's standard. I didn't make it up, but I agree with it. This is including pornography and lust and all that kind of stuff. They engaged in sexual immorality. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. They grumbled so much that God said, I'm done. This whole generation's going to die in the desert. And the kids that you were so afraid that they might die in the promised land, they're going to go in the promised land. You all are going to die here. 
including Moses. Now, these things happened to them as an example. Second time we've heard that, so please pay attention. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And some of you are like, I hope so. I hope this is it. It's the only day you have, so it just might very well be. But we know, and it's been written down, and we have his spirit. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. God's word. God will let you have something come your way that you can't handle. And so you need him. So you rely on him. So you submit to him. He'll provide a way out. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you have to give in to it. You're tempted to look at something, to do something, to say something, to ignore something. That's also the opportunity to do something right, to say something right, to avoid something. Just because the temptation comes doesn't mean you have to give in to it. Well, I can't help myself. That's the point. Jesus said, I got you. When he says no, okay, I'm going to take you at your word. So how can you and I move towards Jesus? Some of you need to just submit your lives to him, confess that he's the Lord, repent from leading your life your way. You've never submitted to Jesus. You sit in here in a church. I'm so glad you're here, but you actually never did. You, you haven't said, okay, God, it's all you. It's not me. I don't know how all this is going to work, but I'm giving up my life to you. So today's that day. For many of you, you're growing, but you have got a, an ability, like when we were praying this morning at 8, you have the ability to go, la, 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 what's that, God? I can't quite hear you. I, you must be going through a tunnel. Quit ignoring God. Well, this church doesn't do this and doesn't do that and doesn't do this. And my wife doesn't do this and this and that. And my husband doesn't do this, this and that. My kids don't do this. My boss is Stop. It's not everybody else. It's you and Jesus. What's he calling you to do? Walk in obedience. This is the path to holiness. Is obedience. Taking God's holy word seriously. And obeying him and asking for help when you can't. Asking for help when you won't. We have a class coming up that's 10 foundations of the faith. And some of you are like, I don't need that. I got it down. Cool. Good job. We need people to teach those classes. That's why we're having David Platt do it. He's so amazing. It's a video class. Downstairs, first hour. Maybe that's the step. I need to move towards it. I need to be refreshed. I need to be reminded. I need to be instructed. You have serving opportunities. That's how you can move close to the Lord. You're like, give it away. I want to serve. I want to be a part of what God's doing. Join a host team. Serve in children's ministry. Serve in youth ministry. Come to men's breakfast. Third Saturday. Every single month. And we have a dinner for God's like, I don't really do breakfast. Sweet. 
come to the first Thursday of every single month. Go through the book of Nehemiah with us. Go through the book of Job on Saturdays. Spend some time. Women, you have this Thursday, you have a chance to meet other women and grow closer to Jesus with each other. Small groups, praying. Good night, there's so many things. I'm five minutes over, but I really, honestly, except for the people who are downstairs going, when is he going to stop? I just, some of us are going to be willing to sit. Maybe we'll get up to go to the bathroom or whatever. We're going to sit for the next six hours maybe and hang out. And I go 50 minutes. Your mama. Not everybody, but there's enough. And some people are like, no, we need you need to talk more. The only reason why I'm saying something is because I want us to not be routine. I want us to be I want us to be holy. I can't make you holy, but Jesus can. Take him at his word. I double dog dare you. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you. You can speak to my friends in ways that I can't, and here I am, blah, 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 blah. But you, God, are merciful and kind and compassionate, and you speak in ways that even includes me. God, would you just come after the things in us that need to be come after, and may we be willing. I just pray right now over my friends that your Holy Spirit would comfort, convict, and correct. We'd receive it, and we would live it out. I pray for salvation, revival. Pray for your spirit. All over this place. Not Crosswater, but Sultan, Washington, America. Indeed, this entire world. God, I believe that you still save people. I look forward to seeing that and seeing people grow in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.